Hello everybody. Welcome everyone once again. Bye on Elon Musk. How the billionaire CEO of SpaceX and Tesla is saving our future by Ashley Vince. Episode 5. The Papal Mafia Boss. The sale of Zip2 infused Elon Musk with a new brand of confidence, much like the video game characters he had rolled. Musk had leveled up, he had saw Silicon Valley and became what everyone at the time wanted to be, a dot-com millennial. His next venture will need to live up to his rapidly inflating ambitions. This left Musk searching for an industry that had tons of money and inefficiencies. That, that he had and the internet could exploit. Months began thinking back to his time as an intern at the bank of Nova Scotia. His big takeaway from that job, that bankers are rich and dumb, now had this field of a massive opportunity. During this time, working for the head of strategy at the bank in the early 1990s, Musk had been asked to take a look at the economics third world debt portfolio. This pool of money ran by the depressing name of less developed country debt and Bank of Nova Scotia had billions of dollars of it. Countries throughout South America and elsewhere had debt defaulted in the years prior, forcing the bank to write down some of its debt value. Mudsbox Mutt's boss wanted him to dig into the bank's holdings as a learning experiment and try to determine how much the debt was actually worth. While pursuing this project, Mutt stumbled upon what had tried to help reduce the debt burden of a number of developing countries through so-called Brady bonds, in which the U.S. government basically backstopped the debt of countries like Brazil and Argentina. Merck's notice and arbitrage claim. I calculated the backstop value and it was something like 50 cents of, on the dollar while the actual debt was trading at 25 cents. Merck said, this was like the biggest opportunity ever and nobody seems to realize it. Merck tried to remain cool and clung as he ranked Goldman's cash, one of the main traders in the market and propped around about what he had seen. He inquired as much how Brazilian debt might be available at 25 cents price. The guy said, how much do you want? And I came up with some ridiculous number like 10 billion dollars. Mux said, with some ridiculous number like $10 billion, Mux said. When the trader confirmed that was a doable Mux hung up the phone, I was thinking that they had to be fucking crazy because you could double your money. Everything was backed by Uncle Sam. It was a no-brainer. Mux had spent the summer earning about $14 an hour and getting skewed out of for using the executive 
coffee machine among Odo's status infractions and figured his um, moments to shine and make a big bonus had arrived. He sprinted up to, to his boss office and pitched the opportunity of a lifetime. You can make billions of dollars for free, he said. His boss told Muggs to write a report, which soon got passed up to the bank's CEO, who promptly rejected the proposal, saying the bank had been burdened burned on Brazilian and Argentinian debt before and did not want to mess with it again. I tried to tell them that's not the point, Mark said. The point is that it's fucking backed by Uncle Sam. It does not matter what our South Americans do. Do you want you cannot lose unless they think the US Treasury is going to default. But they still did not do it. And I was stunned. Later in life, as I competed against the banks, I would think back to this moment, and it gave me confidence. All the bankers did was copy what everyone else did. If everyone else ran off a bloody cliff, they did run right off a cliff with them. If there were, was a giant pile of gold sitting in the middle of the room, and nobody was picking it up. They would not pick it up either. In the years that followed, Marx considered starting an internet bank and discovered it openly during his internship at Peniskill Research in 1995. The youthful Marx lectured the scientists about the invariable conversation coming in finance towards online system, but they tried to talk him down, saying that it would take ages for web securities to be good enough to win over consumers. Marx, though renamed, convinced that the finance industry could do with a major upgrade and that he could have a big influence on banking with a relatively small investment. Money is low bandwidth. He said during a speech at Stanford University in 2003 to describe his thinking, you don't need some sort of big infrastructure improvement do, to do things with it. It's really just an entry in database. The actual plan that Marx concocted was beyond grandos and the researchers and the peninsula had pointed out. People were barely comfortable buying books online. They might take their chances to enter uh, entering a credit card number, but exposing just their bank's account to the web was out of equation for too many. Fair. So what? Marx wanted to build a full-service financial institutions online, a company that would have savings and checkings account as well as brokerage service and insurance. The technology to build such a service was possible, but navigating the regulatory hell of creating an online bank from scratch looked like an intractable problem to optimist and impossibility to more level heads. This was not decent out directions to a Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer 
or putting up a house to stay. It was dealing with people, finances, and there will be a real repression if the service did not work as billed. Undaunted, Merck kicked this new plan into action before Zip2 had been ever sold. He chatted up some of the best engineers at the company to get a feel for who might be willing to join him in another venture. Marks also bounced his sights off some contacts that he made at the banks in Canada. In January 1999, with Zip2's board seeking a buyer, Marks began to formalize his bank, banking plan. The deal with Compaq was announced the next month, and in March, Marks incorporated at Stockholm, a finance startup with a phonographic sounding name. It had taken Merck's less than a decade to go from being a Canadian backpacker to becoming a multimillionaire at the age of 27. With his $22 million, $22 million he moved from sharing an apartment with three roommates to buying an 1,800-square-foot condo, which renovated it. He also bought a $1 million McLaren F1 sports car and a small prop plane and learned to fly. Merck's embraced the newfound celebrity that he did own as part of the dot-com millennial set. He let CNN show up at his apartment at 7 a.m. to fill in the delivery of the car. A back 18-wheeler pulled up in front of Merck's place and then lowered the sleek silver biker onto the street while Merck stood slack dread with his arms folded. There are 62 McLarens in the world, and I will own one of them, he told CNN. Wow, I can't believe it's actually here. That's a pretty wild man. CNN interspread video of the car delivery with interview with Mark. The whole time he looked like a car, car creature. of an engineer who had made it big. Merck's year had started thinning, and he had a closely cropped cut that accentuated his boy's face. He wore an all-too-big brown sport coat and checked his cell phone from his lavish bar, sitting next to his gorgeous girlfriend, Justine, and he seemed spellbound by his life. Merck's rolled out one laughable rich guy line after another, talking first about the Zig 2 deal, receiving the cash in cash. And those are just a large number of manufacturers. Next, about the we. Someone is of his life. There is a gentleman, the fastest car in the world. And then about his prodigious ambitious. I could go and buy one of the island in the Bahamas and turn it into my personal freedom. But I am much more interested in trying to build and create a new company. The camera crew followed Mugs to the X.com offices, where his coxue delivery led to another round of Stringridge worthy statements. I do not fit this picture of a banker. 
Raising $50 million is a matter of making a series of phone calls. And the money is there. I think X.com could absolutely be a multi-billion dollar bonus up. Musk purchased the McLaren from a seller in Florida, snatching the car away from Rafael Lauren, who had also inquired about buying it. Even very well, the people like Lauren would tend to re reserve something like a McLaren for special events, locational Sunday drive. Not Musk. He drove it all around Silicon Valley and parked it and the street by the X.com offices. His friends were horrified to see such a work of art covered with a bird dropping or in the parking lot of the Safeway. One day, Musk emailed fellow McLaren owner Larry Ellison and the billionaire co-founder of software maker Oracle out of the blue to see if he wanted to go race cars around the track for fun. Zim Clark, another billionaire who liked fast teams for wind or the proposal and told a friend that he is needed to rush over the local Ferrari dealership to buy something that could compete. Musk had joined the big boys club. Elon was super excited about all of this, said George Zachary, a venture capitalist and a close friend of Musk. He showed me. He showed me the correspondence with Larry. The next year, while driving down Sand Hill Road to meet with an investor, Mooks turned to a friend in the car and said, Watch this. He floored the car, did a lean change, spun out, and hit an embankment which started the car spinning in the mid-air like a frisbee. The windows and wheels were blown to smithereens and the body of the car damaged. Mux again turned to his companion and said, the funny part is it was not insured. insured. The two of them then thumbed a right to the venture capitalist office. To his credit, Mux did not fully buy into this playboy persona. He actually followed the majority of the money he made from Z2 into X.com. There were practical reasons for this decision. Investors catch a break under the tax law if they throw a windfall into a new venture within a couple of months. But even by the Silicon Valley high strict standards, it was shocking to put so much of one's newfound wealth into something iffy as an online bank. All told, Mux invested about $12 million into X.com, leaving him after taxes with $4 million also for personal use. That's part of what uh, separates Elon from mere mortals, said Edie Ho, the former Zip2 executive who went on to co-found X.com. He is willing to take an immense amount of personal risks when you do a deal like that it's either pays off or you end up in a bull shelter somewhere. Musk's decisions to invest so much money in X.com looks even more unusual in hindsight. Much of the point of being a dot-com success 999 was to prove yourself once, stash away your millions, and then use your 
credentials to talk other people into betting their money on your next venture. Mugs will certainly go on to relay on outside investors, but he put major skin in the game as well. So while Mugs will be found on television talking like the rest of the stuff of Zop.com, Smugs, he behaved more like a throwback to Silicon Valley's earlier days when the founders of companies like Intel were willing to take huge gambles on themselves. Whereas the tool had been a neat, useful idea, X.com held the promise of fomenting a major revolution. Monks, for the first time, will be confronting a deep-pocketed, entrenched industry head-on with the hopes of upending all the incumbents. Monks also began to hone his trademark style of entering an ultra-complex business and not letting the fact that he knew very little about the industry nuance bother him in the slight sideways. He had a linking that the bankers were doing finance all wrong and that he could run the business better than everyone else. Monk's egos and confidence had started heading toward the levels that would in inspire some and leave others thinking of him as pompous and unselfless. This creation of X.com will ultimately reveal a great deal about Mark's creativity, relentless drive, confidential style, and for those as a leader, Mark will also get another taste of being pushed aside as his own company and pain that accompanies a green vision left unfulfilled. Mark's assembled what looked like all-star crew to start X.com, who had worked as SGI and Zig2 as an engineer and his peers, marvelous at his coding and team management skills. They were joined up by a peer of Canadians with finance experiences, Harry Spreaker and Christopher Payne. Mark had met Spreaker during his time as an intern at the Bank of Nova Scotia, and the two really heated off. A Rhodes Scholar, Freaker bought the knowledge of banking was mechanism that X.com would need. Penny was Freaker's friend from the Canadian finance community. All four men were considered co-founders of the company, while most emerged as the largest shareholder thanks to his hefty upfront investment. X.com began like so many Silicon Valley operations at a house where the co-founders began brainstorming and then moved to more formal office at 1394 19, Universities, sorry, 394 Universities Avenue in Polar The co-founders were aligned philosophically around the idea that the banking industry had fallen behind the times. Visiting a branch bank to speak with the tailor seems pretty arrogant. Now that the internet had arrived, the rhetoric sounded good and the four men were enthused. The only thing stopping them was reality. Mux had a modicum of banking experiences and had restored to bind the book on the industry to help understand its inner workings. The more 
the confident, the more the co-founders thought about the plan of attack, the more they realized the regulatory issue blocking the creation of an online bank where ensure multiple as four and five months went by, the onion just keep unwrapping, says Ho. From the outset, there were personality clashes as well. Musk had become a budding superstar in Silicon Valley and had the press forming over him. This did not sit that well with Frico. Make a mark on the wall as this did not sit well with Frico, who did move from Canada and pitched X.com as his chance to make a mark on the walls as a banking witch. Frico, according to the numerous people, wanted to run X.com and do so in more conventional manner. He found Musk's visionary statements to the press about rethinking the entire banking industry still since the company was struggling to build much of anything. We were out promising the sun, moon, and stars to the media, Frigo said. The lawn would say that this is not a normal business environment and you have to be suspend normal business thinking, he said. There is a happy gas factory up on the hill and it's pumping stuff into the valley. Point to be noted, at one point, the founders thought the easiest way to solve their problems would just be to buy a bank and revamp it. Well, that did not happen. They did snack a high-profile controller from Bank of America, who is turn explained in painful detail. The, com the complexities of sourcing loans, transferring money, and protecting accounts. Frico will not be the last person to accuse Musk of overhyping products and playing the public, although rather this is a flaw or one of the most great talents as a businessman is up for debate. This scribble between Trico and Musk came to quick, nasty end. Just five months after Elon Musk had started, Trico initiated a coke. He said either he takes over a CEO or he is just going to take everyone from the company and create his own company. Mark said, I don't do well with the blackmail. I said, you should go do that. So he did. Mark tried to talk Ho and sound off the other key engineer into saying, but they sided with Freaker and left. Mark ended up with the shell of a company and a handful of loyal employees. After all that went down, I remember sitting with Elon in his office, says Julie Akenbrandt, as an only ex.com employee who stayed. There were millions laws in place to the block something like Elon X.com from happening, but Elon did not care. He just looked at me and said, I guess we should hire some more people. Musk had been trying to raise funding from X.com and had been forced to go to the venture capitalists and confess that there was not much in the way of company left. Mike Mortis, a famed investor, Sukiya Capital, 
bad big company non the non making a bad on mug and little else point to be noted once again speaker disputed that he yearned to be ceo saying instead that the other employees had encouraged him to take over because among Mark's struggles getting the business off the ground, Pika and Mark's once close friends remain unimpressed with each other. Elon has his own code of ethics and honor and plays the game extraordinarily hard, Pika says. When it, does, when it comes down to it, for his business is work. According to Mark's, Harris is, is very smart, but I don't think he has a good heart. He had a really intense desire to be running his show, and he wanted to take the company in ridiculous direction. Frico went on to have a very successful career as CEO of GMP Capital, a Canadian financial service company. Payne founded a private security firm in Toronto. Mugs hit the streets of Silicon Valley once again, and managed to attract engineers with his rah-rah speeches about the future of internet backing. Scott Adrison, a young computer scientist, started on August 1, 1999, just a few days after the exodus and bought right into the vision. You look back and it was a total insanity. Adrison said, we had what amounted to a Hollywood movie set off the website. It's barely got past the VCs, venture capitalists. Week by week, more engineers arrived and the visions became more real. The company secured a banking license and a mutual fund license and a form of formed a partnership with Breakless. By November, as .com, small software team had created one of the world's first online banks complete with FDIC insurance to back the bank accounts and free mutual funds for investors to choose. Musk gave the engineers $100,000 of his own money to conduct their testing. On the night before Thanksgiving in 1999, X.com went live to the public. I was there until 2 a.m. Anderson said, then I went home to cook Thanksgiving dinner. Elon called me a few hours later and asked me to come into the office to relieve some of the other engineers. Elon stayed there 48 straight hours, making sure things worked. Under Mark's direction, X.com tried out some radical banks' king concepts. Customers received a $20 each card just for signing up to use the service and $10 card for every person with ties. In a very modern twist, X.com also built a person-to-person payment system in which you could send some money just by plugging your email address into the site. The whole idea was to shift away from slow-moving banks with their mainframe tasking, mainframe taking days to process payments and to create a kind of algae bank account where you could move money around the couple of clicks on a mouse or an email. This was revolutionary stuff, and more than 20,000, 20, people 
bought into in and signed up for X.com within the first couple of months of operation. So enough, X.com had a major competitors, a couple of brain kids named Max Levitch or Peter Thai and been working on a payment system of their own at their startup called Company P. But do you actually rented their office space? Uh, a glorified room closest from X.com and we are trying to make it possible for owners of Plum Pilot handles to swipe money via the interfered ports on the device between X.com company. The small office of University Avenue had turned into fringed epicenter of the internet finance revolution. It was the mass of advanced men that worked so hard. And Ken Brent said, it stunk so badly in there, I can still smell it. Leftover pizza, body odor and sweat. The pleasing threats between X.com and Confinity came to an absorbed end, abrupt end. The Confinity founders moved to an office down the street and like X.com began focusing their attention on web and email based payment with the service known as PayPal. The companies became locked in heated battle to, to match each other's features and attract more users, knowing what whoever got bigger, faster would win. Tens of millions of dollars were spent on promotions, while millions more were lost battling hackers who had seized upon the service as new playground for fraud. It was like the internet version of making it rain at strict club, said Jeremy Stoplerman, an ex-Dotcom engineer who went on to become the CEO of Yelp. You gave away money as fast as you could. The race to win internet payments gave Mux a chance to show off his quick thinking and work ethic. He kept devising plans to counter the advantage paper and had established an auction sites like eBay. And he released the X.com employees to implement, implement the tactics as fast as possible using the brute force appeals to their competitive nature. There really was not anything soothed about him. Anakin Brandt said, we all work 24 hours a day, and he worked 23 hours. In March 2000, Dotcom and Confinity finally decided to stop trying to span each others into oblivion and to join forces. Confinity had what looked like the hottest product in paper, but was paying out $100,000 a day in award to new customers and did not have the cash reserves to keep going. Exocom, by contrast, still had plenty of cash reserves and the more sophisticated banking products. It took the lead in setting the merger terms, leaving Mux as the largest shareholder of the combined company, which would be called X.com. Shortly after the deal closed, X.com raised $100 million from the bakers, including 
Dutas Bank and Goldman's Cash and boosted that he had more than 1 million customers. The two companies try hard to mesh their cultures with the modest success. Group of employees from Acrocom tag their computer monitors to their deck chairs with power cords and roller them down to the street of the company offices to work alongside with a few colleges. But the teams could never quit the eyes to eye. Most kept championing, most kept championing the Exocom brand while most everyone else favored paper. More fights broke out over the design of the company's technology infrastructure. The company team led by the Levinch favored moving upward toward open source software like Linux, while most championed Microsoft data center software as being more likely to keep productivity high. The Swickable may sound like steel to outsiders, but it was the equivalent of a religious war to, uh, to the engineers, many of whom viewed Microsoft as dated evil empire and Unix as the modern software of the people. Point to be noted, Merck had been pushed out as CEO of X.com by the com company's investors who wanted a more seasoned executive to lead the company toward the IPO. In December 1999, X.com hired Bill Harris, a former CEO of the financial software maker Intuit, as its new chief after the merger. Many in the company turned on Harris. He registered, he resigned, and Mox returned as a CEO. Hmm. Two months after the merger, Hal resigned and Levinch threatened to work on over the technology deal. Mox was led to run a fractured company. The technology issue X.com had been facing was net as the computing system failed to keep up with an exploding customer base. Once a week, the company's website collapsed. Most of the engineers were ordered to start work designing a new system, which distracted key technical personnel and LabX.com vulnerable to fraud. We were losing money and handoff over fees, said Stockleman. As X.com became more popular and its transactions volume exploded, all of its problems was met. There was more fraud. There were more fees from banks and credit cards companies. There was more competition from startups. X.com lacked a cohesive business model to offset the losses and turned a profit from the money it managed. The loss bottom, the startup's chief financial officer, and now a prominent venture capitalist of Situa, did not think Mux provided the board with the true picture of Exarcom's issues. A growing number of other people at the company questioned at Mux's decisions making in the face of all the crisis. What followed was one of the nastiest coups in Silicon Valley's a long, illustrious history of nasty coups. A small group of XR companies was gathered one night as Fanny and Alexander, are now 
be found about in polar auto and brainstorm about how to push out Mark. They decided to sell the boat on the idea of Stan returning as CEO instead of confronting Mark directly with this plan. The, the conspirators decided to take action behind Mark's back. Mark and Justin had been married in January 2000 but had been too busy for honeymoon. Nine months later, in September, they planned to mix business as and pleasure by going on a funding raising trip and ending with a honeymoon in Sydney to crash the Olympics, to catch the Olympics. As they boarded their flight, flight one night, X.com executives delivered letters of no confidence to X.com's board. Some of the people loyal to Marx had sensed something was wrong, but it was too late. I went to the office at 10.30 that night, and everyone was there. And Ken Brent said, I could not believe it. I'm practically trying to call Mark, but he's on a plane. By the time he landed, Marx had been replaced by Thai. When Marx suddenly heard what had happened, he hoped on the next plane back to Polo Alto. It was shocking, but I will give along this. I thought he handled it pretty well, Justin said. For a brief period, Marx tried to fight back. He urged the board to re reconsider its decision, but when it became clear that the company had already moved on, Marx relented. I talked to Mortis and a few others, Marx said. It was not so much that I wanted to be a CEO, but more like, hey, I think there are some pretty important things that need to happen, and, and if I'm not CEO, I'm not sure they are going to happen. But then I talked to Max and Peter, and it seems like they will make these things happen. So then, I mean, it's it's not the end of the world. Many of the XRCOM employees who had been with Mark since early on were less than impressed by what had happened. I was lured by it and angry. They stopped the man. You know what sort of a rock star in my view. I, I was very vocal about how I thought it was bullish, but I knew fundamentally that the company was doing well. Uh, it was a rocket ship and I had, I was not going to leave. Topperman, at 23, went into a conference room and tore into Thal and Lynch. They let me went it all out. And your reaction was part of the reason I stayed. Although Lene, other, <coughs> other, <coughs> others renamed embittered, it was a black handed and proudly paid Baron Spikes, a zip to an X.com engineer. I would have been more behind it if Elon had been in the room. By June 2001, most influences one of the companies was fading quickly. The month it had rebranded X.com as PayPal. Mux really let a slide to go unpunished. Throughout this order, however, he showed incredible, incredible restraint. He embraced the role of being an advisor 
to the company and kept investing in it, increasing his stake as PayPal largest shareholder. You would expect someone's in long position to be vetoed and vindicated, but he was not said Botha. He supported Peter. He was a prince. The next few months will end up being key for Mark's future. The dot-com joyride was coming to a quick end, and people wanted to try cash out in any way possible. When executives from eBay began approaching PayPal about an acquisition, an inclination for most people was to sell and sell first. Mark's and Marty's though urged the board to reject a number of offers and hold up for more money. PayPal had having revenue of about $240 million per year and looked like it might make it as an independent company and go public. Monks and Mortis resistance paid off and then from in July 2002, eBay offered $1.5 billion for PayPal and Monks and the rest of the boards accepted the deal. Monks Needed about $250 million from the sales of EP or a $180 million after taxes, $180 million after taxes, enough to make what would turn out to be his very wild dreams possible. The PayPal episode was a mixed bag for now. His reputation as a leader suffered in the aftermath of the deal, and the media turned on him in the unmissed. For the first time, Eric Jackson's an early continuity employee, wrote the paper was battles with eBay, the media, the mafia, and the rest of planet Earth in 2004 and recounted the company's tumultuous journey. The book painted Mugs as an ego man, mechanical, stubborn jerk, making wrong decisions at every turn, and portrayed Kyle and living to heroic geniuses. Well, well, the technology industry gossip side piled on as well and turned bashing most into one of the pet projects. The criticism grew on the point that people started wondering a lot whether or not Musk counted as a true co-founder of PayPal or had just written Tal's courtiers to a magical payday. The turn of the book along with the blog post good months in 2007 into writing a 2,200-word email to Valuac Man to set the record straight with his versions of events. In that email, Marks let the illiterate clear loose and gave the product a direct look at his combative side. He described Jackson as an psychophantic jackass and one notch above an intern who had little invest insist into the high level goings on at the company. Since Eric worshipped Peter, the outcome was obvious. Peter sounds like Mel Gibson in Braveheart and my role in somewhere between negligible and bad seed. Mux wrote Mux then details seven role as a larger shareholder, the hiring of a lot of the top talent, the creation of number of company's most successful business ideas, and this time as CEO, when the company went from 60 to several hundred employees. Most everyone, almost everyone I interviewed from the people, they lead toward agreeing with most overall assessment. 
they um, they said that Jackson's account voted on fantasy when it came to celebrate team the community team over remotes and x.com team there are a lot of people people that suffer more from rap memory said Bota. but these same people reach another consensus consensus saying that monks had mishandled the branding technology and infrastructure and fraud situation i think it would have killed the company if elon had stayed at as CEO for six more months, said Bot. The mistakes Elon was making at the time were amplifying the risks of the businesses. For more on Monk's tape on PayPal, you see Appendix 2. The suggestion that Monk did not count as true co-founder of PayPal seems assuming, as in retrospect, Tyler Lynch and other PayPal executives have said as much in the years since the eBay deal closed, the only useful thing such criticism produced were the bombastic counter-offenses from Musk, which revealed touches of insecurity and the seriousness in which Musk insists that the historical record reflects his take on events. It comes from the school of thought in the public relations world that you lack no insecurities to go uncorrected, said Hennings Prolito, the former communications chief at PayPal. It sets a precedent, and you should fight every other place, comma, tooth, and nail. It takes things very personally, and actually six war. The stronger critic of Marx during this period of his life was that he had succeeded to large degree despite himself, Musk straight as a confidential know-it-all, and his abundant ego created deep, lasting fractures within his companies, while Musk consciously trying to temper his behavior. These efforts were not enough to win over investors and more experienced executives. At both Z2 and PayPal, the company's board came to the conclusion that Musk was not yet CEO manager. It can also argue that Musk had become a hyper hyperbolic construct who overreached and oversold his company's technologies. Musk's biggest detractors have made all of these arguments either in public or private, and a half a dozen or so of them say far worse things to be me things to me about his character and actions, describing Musk as unethical in businesses and vicious with his personal attack. Almost universally, these people were unwillingly to go on the record with your comments, claiming to be afraid Monks will pursue legit, uh, legit litigations against them to ruin the ability to do businesses. This criticism must be weighed against Monks' track record. He demonstrated and initiate the ability to read people and technology trends at the inceptions of the consumer web, while others tried to wrap their hands around the internet implications. Musk had already set off and purposeful plan to of attack. He is envious. He is envisioned many of the early pieces of technology directories maps sites that focused on vertical markets that 
will become a massive conflict. Then just as people became comfortable with buying things from Amazon.com and eBay, Mox had made a great leap forward to full-fledged internet banking. He will bring standard financial instruments online and then modernize the industry with a host of new concepts. He exhibited a deep insist in, into human nature that helped his companies pull off exceptional marketing technology and financial feats. Mox was already playing the entrepreneur game at the highest level and working with press and investors like few others could. Did he hide things up and rub people the wrong way? Absolutely. And with the spectacular results based in a large part of Mark's diaries, PayPal survived the bursting of the dot-com bubble, became the first blockbuster IPO. After 9-11 attacks and then sold to a eBay for an astronomical sum, while the rest of the technology industry was mired in a dramatic downturn, it was nearly impossible to survive like anyone emerged as a winner. In the midst of such a mess, PayPal also came to represent one of the greatest assemblies of businesses and engineering talent in Silicon Valley. His history both Mugs and Todd had a keen eye for young building engineers. The founder of startups as varied as YouTube, Plantier Technologies, and Europe all worked at PayPal. Another set of people, including Reed Hoffman, Hal, and Rota, emerged as some of the technology industry's top investors. PayPal stopped for and pioneered techniques in finding online fraud that have formed a basis of software used by CIA and FBI to track terrorists and of software used by world largest banks to combat crime, which collections of super bright employee has become known as the PayPal Mafia. More or less the current ruling class of Silicon Valley and Musk is its famous most and successful member. Inside also continues a favor Musk on build region over the more cautious pragmatism of executives of the Zip2 and PayPal had it just consumers at, as Mark's urge Zip2 may have ended up as a blockbuster mapping and review service. As for PayPal, an argument can still be made that the investors sold out too early and should have listened more or to Mark's demands to remain independent. By 2014, PayPal had amassed 153 million users and was valued at cost valued at close of $32 billion as a standalone company. A flood of payment and banking startups have appeared as well as Secure, Square, Stripe, and Simple, to name three among these as that have looked to fulfill much of the original X.com vision. If X.com would have been a bit more patient with Mux, there's a good reason to believe he would have succeeded with delivery of the online bank to rule them all that he has set out to create. History has demonstrated that while most goals can sound absorbed in the moment, he certainly believes in them. And when he when given enough time stands to achieve them, he always walks for uh, from a different understanding of reality than the rest of the earth and Brent uh, and King Brent said. He's just different than the rest of us. While 
navigating the business stimulant of victory and paper. Max found a moment of peace in his personal life. He did spend years quoting Justin Wilson from April, flying her out from visits of, on the weekends. For a long time, his often oppressive house and his roommates put a crimp on the relationship, but Z2 still liked the most by a place of his own and paid a bit more attention to Justin like any couple. They had their ups and downs, but the passion of young love name remained. We fought a lot, but when we were not fighting, there was a deep sense of compassion, a bond, Justin said. The couple had been sleeping for a few days about phone call Justin kept getting from the ex-boyfriend. Long did not like that and had a major spat while working near the dot-com offices. I remember thinking it was a lot of drama and that if I was going to put it up with it, we might as well be, be married. I told him he should just propose to me, Justin said. It took Max a few minutes to cool down and then he did just that, proposing on the spot. A few days later, a more cavalrous Max returned to the sidewalk, got down on Bendix's knee and presented Justin with a ring. Justin knew all about Mark's dream, childhood, and intense rank of emotions he could exhibit. Her romantic sensibilities overrode any trepidations she might have had about these parts of Mark's history and character and concentrated instead of his strength. Mark often talked only about Alexander and Great and Justin saw him as her own conquering hero. He was not afraid of responsibilities, he said. He did not run from things. He wanted to get married and have kids early on. Musk also exuded a confidence and a passion that made Justin think life with him will always be okay. Money is not the motive, his motivation, and quite frankly, I think it just a happens for him. Justin said, it's just there. He knows he can generate it. At their wedding and reception, Justin encountered that other side of the conquering hero. Monks pulled Justin close while they danced and informed her, I'm alpha in this relationship. Two months later, Justin signed a post-nuptial financial agreement that will come back to haunt her and enter into an enduring power struggle. She described this a situation years later in an article for Mary Claire writing. He was consistently remarking on the ways he found me lacking. I'm your wife, I told him repeatedly, not your employee. If you were my employee, he said just as often I would file. The newlyweds were not helped by the drama at Hex.com. They did put off their honeymoon. And then had it drilled by the court. It took until the late December 2000 for the things to calm down enough for Max to take his first vacation in Europe. He arranged a two-week trip, with the first part taking place in Brazil and second in South Africa, and game reverse near the Mozambique border. 
while in Africa most contracted, most virulent region, uh, region of malaria, uh, malaria, which accounts for the vast majority of malaria that marks return to California in January, which is when the Indianers took hold. He started to get sick and was bedridden for a few days before Justin took him to a doctor who then ordered that Monsi be rushed in the ambulance to Sucho Hospital in the reward city. Doctor there misdiagnosed and mistreated his conditions to the point that Monsi was near that that there happened to be a guy visiting from another hospital who had seen a lot of more malarious cases. Monsi, he spiked Mars blood work in the lab and ordered an immediate maximum dosage of doxycycline or antibiotic. The doctor told Marx that if he had turned up a day later, the medicine likely would no longer have been effective. Point to be noted. After feeling ill for a few days, Marx went to Stanford Hospital and informed them that he did be in malaria zone, although the doctors who could not find the pestic during tests. Mark spent 10 energizing days in the intensive care unit. The experiences of Justin is built like a tank, he said. He has level of stamina and ability to deal with level of stress that I have never seen in anyone else. To see him lead how laid low like that in total misery was like a visit to an alternate universe. It took Mark six months to recover. He lost 45 pounds over the course of the illness and had clothes full of clothes and no longer fit. I came very close to dying, Mark said. That's my lesson for taking vacation. Vacation will kill you. Thank you so much for being with me, guys, and love you all. This is the end of episode five. See you in the next episode.